Being Real, a podcast about real people for real people. I wanted to create a space where I share my true feelings and those of my guests about what it's like to live in today's world. The challenges we face and how we deal with them or don't. What about all that stuff that's just not said but should be? You know, the conversations that we really want to have but don't. What do we really think and feel? What about our regrets, dreams that we have and the stuff we should be doing but we don't? Each week, I'll be here talking to real people about real life. This is a very honest look at life and hopefully, by listening, it will help you to have a better understanding of yours. Jonathan felt different as a child and stood out, which unfortunately made him an easy target to be bullied. Sadly, this has had a huge negative impact on his life and affected him greatly. His message around what to do if you're being bullied is important in my opinion and helps to address this appalling behaviour. Jonathan has incredible courage to share his story with me. He talks candidly about trying to come to terms with being gay as a teenager and then having the strength to tell his family and friends in the early 90s, which was a huge deal at the time. How he felt rejected, tried to find acceptance and being acknowledged for who he was. Throughout his life, he has summoned real courage to face his demons and has grown as a result. He shares a truly traumatic story of receiving a call from a friend who had decided to end his life and trying to help him, but unfortunately not being able to. This tragic event had huge ramifications for Jonathan's life and ultimately led to big changes. I truly hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. So welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here, finally. No, it's good to be here as well. Yeah. Where do you feel accepted for who you are? Where do I feel accepted for who I am? Mo- actually, most accepted for who I am. By who I am, do you mean my sexuality, being gay, or just being left-handed, blind, Jewish and gay? Pretty much everywhere, actually. I've, never, I've been very lucky in that sense that you know, so sort of coming out in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, it was still, we were the next generation after the 70s, the 79ers up in, so the 79ers up in Sydney were the ones who started Mardi Gras, if you kind of, so they're kind of, the, they were kind of the leaders in that sort of sense. So by then I was the next generation to come through and I always thought we had the advantage that it was so much easier for us than, than the group before us. You know, we didn't have that sort of struggle. To me, it wasn't a struggle. I mean, there's the internal struggle of coming out, which I think no matter how, where you are in society, and you, it's always a struggle. It's Because it's you have to declare, I'm different, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life different, and what comes with that. But touch wood after that point, I think in my life I've been pretty lucky. I've never really experienced homophobia. You know, yeah, I was picked on at school, um, if I think about it, but I wasn't out in school at that point in time. I mean, I knew, but I wasn't out in school. So that's probably the place I felt least accepted in my life. But I think as an adult, I've been quite fortunate, yeah, to just, you know, I've never had a problem at work in in a working environment. I've never had a problem with friends in a social environment. I've never really, yeah, I've never really encountered a situation where I felt threatened. I mean, I know plenty of people who haven't. I know plenty of people who who have struggled, who still feel shameful. You know, I've never felt ashamed about who I am about anything in not not like that though like there was something at um at about 13 I kind of knew I was starting to have these feelings for men like I can remember when I was a little little kid you'd sort of think 
I, the way it would translate was if I found an attractive man, you would sort of go, oh, he'd make a nice da dad or a nice father because that's the only way I knew how to express that because I didn't have an awareness of sexuality. Uh, when I was about 13, I think I kind of realised and I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to think about men for 10 nights and I'm going to think about women for 10 nights and whichever's kind of more interesting to me and exciting to me, that will determine my sexuality. But I never got to the women. <laughs> it was kind but Wesley, of... So how did you... That's an interesting way of, of working that out. Did you just go, I'm... That's... I must be gay. But didn't know. But how did you think of ten men, ten women, kind of thing? Was it just a random thought in your head? Just a random thought of trying to work it out, and how do I, how do I, yeah? And it was, there was no rhyme or reason to it. It was. I was probably about thirteen or fourteen. I can remember the moment of kind of coming up with that decision of, that's how I would just determine whether I was. I did have a girlfriend, but it was very innocent, and she was my best friend, and we're still friends now, all these wow. years later. So, you know, and I love it a bit. Yeah. Aside from that. You know, it was, it was, yeah, even coming out was, you know, okay, my mum was a bit weird for a few days, maybe a couple of weeks. It was a bit awkward and around the place. I've never told my dad, but that's a, he knows, but I've never actually, he accepts it. Did you have, have you got any siblings? Or I've it? got two siblings. And so go on, how, what about them? So my older brother, my, my younger brother was, you know, my younger brother was, was not a problem. So I was 20, I was 20, 21 when I came out. My older brother... But was when you were, to go back to when you were 13 then, and yeah. you knew you were gay, you yeah. just went, I'm just going to keep to myself. Yeah, because I didn't know what to do about it. And did you have anybody that you told any, you told it to at all, or no one? There was a, like a gay helpline up in Sydney when I was about 17 or 18, I kind of had rung that for a while just to talk it through. And then I was, again, I was very lucky. So sort of backstory when I when I did have my girlfriend and I was over living in London and on our last night together we went to see Les Mis and I absolutely fell in love with her and decided I wanted to see it for free every night so when it came out to Australia I got a job as an usher you know careful what you wish for but still I come true not free but still and so I was in that theatre environment from 20 so there were suddenly there were that was my way of getting in touch with gay people and all that sort of stuff so you know, it was still not... I don't want to pretend like it was easy and I just, you know... I, I, there's still a struggle. There's always that struggle. It's not... I don't want to, you know, go, oh, my God, that was... You know, it, it was. It was a struggle. It's an, But it was an internal struggle of how am I going to make this work, not, oh, there's something inherently wrong with me. And so how did you think you... So the struggle bit, how did you kind of go... Because that's pretty... You could easily have gone, oh, my God, this is all too much for me. I can't cope with this and got depressed or because you felt different did you feel like you knew you were different but you were you're saying to me you're okay with that yeah it was like it was i knew i was different but not wrong like there was i never i never felt like there was something wrong with me because i'm gay it was just i'm different because i'm gay okay and then in your you've touched on your younger brother was okay with him but your older brother then? so my older brother's a rabbi so i was actually over in, in new york he lives in new york i was over in new york and um, well, but when, but how at the time he was, he's two years older than me, so he would have been twenty nine then. And and I kind of I you know I, I came home from that trip and I went, this is ridiculous that I didn't tell him. It was like I almost felt like I, I was high, you know. I, by, by that point in my life, it was you know I you know I got to the point where I didn't even bother telling people anymore. I didn't feel the need to come out. Did you, did, did and did people? Would you say people met you knew that you were gay? Oh, I just assume they do. I just assume, you know, I remember, I remember at work in my first job one day, standing there with like, you know, the CEO sort of standing in her, 
talking in her door and going, yeah, I'm one of, you know, and, and in those days, you know, you, yeah, it was still, you didn't have it, obviously it wasn't as, it was, it was still as common as it is now because it must have been, but it wasn't as, there wasn't as, if you didn't have that same interaction, and I remember standing in her door going, yeah, I'm one of those people that only read Playboy for the, for the articles, you know, so, <laughs> You know, that would be how you'd come out to people, sort of, you know. I didn't have to feel this need to go, hello, I'm Jonathan, I'm gay. It's like, you don't come up to me and say, hi, I'm Dan, I'm straight. So why, no. would, I go, why would I have this need to come up to you? So if you can't work it out... Yeah, but interesting, Gone, why do you think it's obvious, though? Because you, you know you're gay, so therefore it would be obvious. If I met you, though, why would not... Maybe it goes back to... Maybe it goes back to, to, to kind of being at school and, you know, where they kind of all picked up on it. Yeah, but so come on, so how did so how did they? You mentioned that before. You said you got you got picked on. Yeah. Did they pick on you just because you were different? They, because I was different. But what? How? So what were you different? You didn't want to play didn't the play, sports. Didn't play sports. Okay. I was more interested in sitting around talking to the girls. You know, I was also a bit dorky, so didn't you know? It was kind of I was an easy I was an easy target to pick on. The moment you are different, but whatever that d- difference is, you are going to unfortunately be for anyone. It wouldn't have to be necessarily gay to be that. Just you just you're just different. You're different. You get picked on. You're different. You get picked on. You don't conform. Yeah. And then, so how did did that did that? How long did that go on for? Did that affect you then? Would you oh, get hugely. really yeah. hugely? I actually got complete. That that had a, that probably had. I mean, I think you know. To me, I think if I was going to. To me, it's not so much the me being different. It's it's the impact of being bullied that I think has had a bigger impact on my life than anything else. And that's what I would be a bigger stand for because, you know, and I had no one I could really turn to because my parents were in a bit of a loveless marriage and having their own issues. And my mother was probably depressed. And my father, as I've said, is just, you know, not capable of that level of... And was it obvious, you're saying it now, but at the time... Was it really obvious that they were? It was in a bad marriage, and it just it, yeah, but not as I didn't realize how bad it actually, how much it would have impacted me. In that, you know, you kind of don't want to be any more of a burden. On, and again, I only realized this later in life. You don't want to be any more of a burden on your parents. They're already going through enough. So what? There was no one for me to turn to with what I was going through because I was still scared to come out. So even though I said I was very understanding of myself, you're still scared. I'm not pretending I wasn't scared to come out. I was petrified. At, from 13 to 20 to come out, right? Because I didn't know what would happen. And is that what took you from 13 to 20 to, to come out, looking back on it? or? Yeah, but also remember we're talking 1985 to 19, 1990. We're not talking about, or even earlier, when was I um, 13? 1983. Yeah, 1981 I was, th- no, was my, yeah, 1981 I was 13. So we're talking about, a, you know, it was right in the height of the AIDS, the whole AIDS thing. You know, I remember being at school and, you know, and again, I never came out at school. Right. So, but they just assume. So, you know, you know, being told you had AIDS and those sorts of things, which, you know, when you don't have the mechanism and the strength to, to fight back now. Whereas, you know, and just to peer, you know, I'll, I'll pierce that story later because I did kind of, you know, I, you know, I got over that at my, thir- it took till my 30th, re- 30th year reunion at school. I never went to any of them. And then I, the 30th one, I went, I'm going back now. And I had the confidence within myself to face everybody and it was the most cathartic experience because it was just like completely accepting and it wasn't like I wanted to be best friends with them all because I don't but it was that's a brave thing to do and I had people coming up to me and apologising and I didn't go there for an apology I neither expected nor wanted one I mean and that was very nice when you went there what were you what okay so what was first of all why did you go there you just you sort of said that already but so I had started between the 20th and the 30th I'd actually reconnected with one friend Judy 
yeah, it was completely, it was great. You know, we, we have had a great friendship. And I think that sort of helped in that there was sort of, there was a buddy to go to it with. And I also kind of went, well, not in a conscious way, but if she was accepting, well, what were the others going to be like? And it was just, I didn't care if they weren't. I, I mean, I was confident enough in myself to go to that, to go, if there's anyone that that I go there that is an asshole, I'm, oh, see ya, thanks, bye. It's like, I'm not interested in hanging around that. And, you know, I was hugging the guys hello. And the only one that wasn't was the, the one person who probably picked on me the most. And probably with him, I was very much like, I, with all the other guys, I gave them a hug, love with him. It's a shake of the hands and... Uh, and all the rest of it, you know. I mean, uh, and do you think there was any? Did you have any conversation with him at all, uh, or no, not really? No, no. no. But he did, because he did there was because there was he too did much. Come up to me at the end of the night saying it was great seeing you and chatting with you. I'm like thinking, well, you didn't say a word to me, you dickhead. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it was just like a roll of the eyes of like you know, you know, whatever. But you know, but even since then, like, which has been realised, I've connected with some other people that, you know, we've become, there's a few that I've, I've stayed in contact with to be friends with. And, and that's when I felt accepted again, actually, at that 33 reunion, I actually felt accepted back by these people. And that I was part of that community, because we are a community, like, and it's kind of like I said to them, like, irrespective of what had happened at school, if some of them, if anyone in that 30 years, I like to think, except for the one had knocked on my door and said, I've got nowhere else to go. Can I come and stay with you? I would have, without blinking an eye, they said, of course, come in. Because we are community, irrespective of what happened. It wasn't like I was the only kid that was picked on either. And you, you have, there's a point where you have to go, I can't let that ruin, ruin the rest of my life. You know, I've got to get on with my life and, you know, these things happen. And it's not easy and it takes work and it takes strength. And, you know, and school is such a forced environment that's so mm. artificial to a certain extent. And I think, you know, you know, as, you, as we get older and we mature and you look back and I'm mellow and like, what's the point, you know, what's the point of me staying angry at them? There's none. So, you know, it's like me swallowing poison and waiting for them all to die. It's kind of, what, what's the point? It's, it's, only, it's only impacting me. So, yeah, I just gave it up and went, you know, and I, and I don't, I, I, it, you know, it wasn't easy. I don't pretend that it was easy to give that up. It took almost 30 years to be able to go, I'm okay to face this now. Right. And things just happen. It's not like, you know, perhaps if I hadn't become friends with Judy, I might never have gone back and I might still be angst about it. You know, I don't know. Right? And, and so picking on that point, because I think that's a really powerful thing that you're saying, because there would be people out there who've been in similar situations and maybe you're thinking about, you know, maybe it's not really, perhaps reading is a bad example, but still it's an example of going back to something which is very raw and touches lots of nerves and, and all the rest of it. Well, you're thinking of not, oh, I can't do that. So what was the, you know, that it's, it's amazing that you, you then went, okay, I've got the, I've got the strength, the courage. I'm good. I'm just going to do this. Cause I knew That's, that, it, I knew that if it all went wrong, I could just walk out. I had the, I, I wasn't trapped. It's not like I knew I was, I it was, it was like, I couldn't go to the 10 year. I couldn't go to the 20 year. I wasn't ready. Yeah. I knew in myself I wasn't ready. For whatever reason, I wasn't there yet. I was still carrying too much. And look, there were people that wouldn't come to the 30th because of what their experience was at school. So they obviously weren't, and they weren't gay or anything like that. It was just their experience. You know, and, and again, you were talking to people and, you know, some people were like, I didn't even realise you were being picked on or I'm so sorry, I would have stood up for you had I known. Would they? I don't know. And then you hear about other people who, so-and-so's mother, you know, so-and-so was... A nasty, a mean girl, but then it turned out her mother was dying of breast cancer the whole time. Not that that makes it right, but that was what everybody had something going on in their life. And I think 
that's what you come to realize. I, I realized that, that, that it was everybody has their own shit going on and everybody's got their own crap going on and nobody, nobody on the planet is immune to it and we all think we're nutcases, but we're actually not. And did you think, going back to that, that particular night... So, so go and tell me then. So when you, did you just come out and say to, to not everybody, I'm gay? No, I didn't need to. They just, they just... They just knew. They just knew, and if they didn't know, more fool them. That's what I'm saying. I don't have this But then did you have other people come to you when you were physically there in front of them and going, you know what, Jonathan, actually, like you just said, the girl who was a bully, who was, she had a mother who was dying of breast cancer, there were other people who said, look, you know what, I've really struggled with this, or I've had these... Yep. A lot more of that sharing and connection with people going, look, this is my story. Yep, we, 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 and that was the thing. We just shared our stories. You know, there's another girl who was in New York during 9-11. Not that that was anything to do with, but again, her story of, of what was going on there, which overshadows my story. Not overshadows, that's not fair, because that diminishes myself. I don't mean that. It's more, it's just another story. Everybody had their stuff going. You know, there was another girl, she was a lesbian. She didn't come out, you know, until after school. So she would have had this... She wasn't necessarily as picked on, but she would have had it going through the similar angst of coming out and what that means and all the rest of it. And, and you know, you are coming out in a Jewish community. I don't want to take that along. You know, and again, we can segue back to this, but, you know, you know I did turn my back on the Jewish community for a long time because I didn't feel accepted there. But I think that was more, you know, I went to a Jewish day school. So, it, you know, I probably could have gone to a synagogue and been okay. Or, you know, I went to, when I was in New York a couple of years back, I went to the to a gay synagogue there and... It was great, you know. I mean, it's not my thing, but it was great for different reasons. So again, it's 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 just finding that path, and I think it's um, it's it's having the strength and just realizing that as much as I'm not the same person. I mean, I am the same person. My core beliefs, but I don't think they've ever changed through my life. I was still a decent person then. I didn't go out of my way to hurt people, uh, you know. And I think what I really got was that they've changed too. They're not the, like, they're the same people, but they're not the same. But they don't have the same attitudes as they did when they were eighteen. They, they've also evolved, and it's not fair to assume that they don't. You know, I mean, they you know they lived in Sydney. It's a big town. They're not. They're not. I don't. With no disrespect to any country bumpkins, but you know, they're not. They're not. They, they had that exposure. They would have had exposure to, you know, gay people in life. They've probably got a relative or worked with someone as it was becoming more and more. You know, through the nineties and the noughties. So by the time I got there, it was no brainer no big deal and you know to me there was almost a point of going I wish I'd done it I wish I'd gone at the 10 years because maybe it would have saved 20 years of angst this is important for, to, to discuss it I think is is the, the bullying aspect so therefore how much was did that feed into your your thoughts and and you know get you down or what did you do to deal with that um, you, you mentioned it before a bit but I'm just curious as to that's obviously a yeah. I mean, when I was when it was happening, there wasn't much I could do about it, to be fair. And you know, I even remember. I mean, I, I and I think, and and I did. You know, I didn't have the strength in myself to stand up to a bully. I do remember going to the uh, to the vice principal at school to complain, and he basically did nothing about it, which again left me kind of in the lurch. You know, and really, all I wanted was for these guys to leave me alone. But that did very much. Uh, you know, I, whether consciously, I, you know. And he, he just did what he did, right, at that point in time. Was it, was it a neglect of duty? Probably, but, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. And I, I can't change the past. And I think that's the big thing is I can't change the past. I can only control my future. It's not worth it. 
because I've only got, you know, it's just not worth it. No, that's good that you, you know, it's good that you're right. You're absolutely right. I, I agree mean, with you. I mean, I, and don't get me wrong, no, and, I mean, I can't do it all the time, but when I can, I thought, why don't I, you know, what am I going to let, and that took years to get there as well. I don't want to pretend like I woke up, you know, the day yeah, after I finished, finished school and then, well, that was my past now. And now, you know, it's no, it takes years and years and years of just understanding myself and why these things are, how these things are impacting me. So being bullied obviously impacts your self-confidence, right? And, and there's still residue stuff there, but I recognise it now and I can go, okay, that's just that talking. talking. It's not real anymore. It's in the past, but, you know, and that's something that happened in the past. It doesn't ever go away completely. It's just you recognise it and you go, oh, yeah, that, that's all that, that is. And, and that's why you're doing that. And, but to, to, if you had to look back on it now as we're talking, is there anything that you could, you could point to that helped you, that you did, that you could give advice to somebody else? In a funny sort of way, I don't think it. I don't think it kind of. It's it's not like it was a silver bullet that I suddenly went. Um, but what's coming into my head, as kind of almost, was I think, even though I was out and all the rest of it, when at university, so still relatively new coming out, I don't, for some I don't know why this is in my head, but it's what's there, so it must be something in it. Going to the gay group at university which took a fair amount of courage still at that point in time. I think it was another step in courage, but I think that was like the kind of the, the aha moment of, okay, you know, this is now where, this is now who I, who I am and or part of who I am. It wasn't a conscious, because I can't remember, I can't remember a conscious, but it was, I was, I felt accepted there from the word go and even though I'd had acceptance from friends outside of, you know, over the few years between finishing school and, and then, it was it was this, and I'd met other gay people and I had the people at the theatre and, the, you know, and all that sort of stuff, but it was a, it was a different level of acceptance. I can't, I can't explain it where it was like, and it wasn't anything conscious or anything, I, 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 but when I'm looking back at it now, I'm kind of going, well, everything's going to be all right now. Like, oh, it's like, this is this this is fine the world hasn't you know fallen in because i've walked into this room that the world is still turning around my life will still go on you know here are you know people similar to me it wasn't a conscious oh what like i like if i saw people from school at university like through the whole i'd kind of walk the not the the opposite but i'd avoid them i'd had no interest in interacting whatsoever i would be a hi you know so that's a very but that's a very common thing for, for human beings to do where you've had something that happened to you which is really affected you badly you'd want to avoid that like you know stay away from it because it just reminds you of that awful time you don't want to so yeah I absolutely get that but I think you've got to go back and confront it and I think that's the thing and that's so for me I think you know it was at the 30 year reunion where I did confront that bullying essentially by turning up just by turning up I confronted that bullying and said no I won't allow myself to be excluded because of what you did I am part of this group and up yours if you if that doesn't sit, sit with you i have as much right to be here as the rest of you i don't want to be best friends with my with you but i'll damn well be civil and polite and you can be civil and polite back and i had the best night i had i walked out on a high on that night you know it was it was like a watershed moment so i strongly nice. recommend going back to your high school reunion <laughs> at 10 years if you can <laughs> it must be that must have but it must have validated everything that you wanted not everything but a lot of what you were thinking beforehand and had thought about that whole time to have that courage as i said and, and to go there and say this is who i am and this is, was 
would have made you go like, "What? Well, you know, this is wow! Look at who! Look what I've! Look what I've done!" Yeah, and it, but it's absolutely. But it wasn't a conscious sort of. A, to me, like it wasn't like it was an, a you know a bucket list achievement in life or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It was, or where I you know went home that night and went, "Wow, my life is complete now." So the, the other time that I felt that, and maybe this will give it some. When I talked about my one girlfriend in London, so there was about a 25-year gap where we didn't, where we just went separate ways. I mean, I live in Australia, she lived in London, she got married, had the kids, blah, blah, blah. I always used to wonder what had happened to her. So I met her through some cousins and I'd lost touch with those cousins as well. So the cousins who I stayed with, they kind of, he actually sits next to her, her dad in synagogue. So he kind of knew what was going on with her. So I'd actually said, you know, well, you know, it'd be great to get in touch with. Him. And he had, my cousin would say to me, ah, oh, she's moved on in life. She won't be interested. Which in actual fact, as it turns out, is it was his experience with his ex-girlfriends, which is, which is what, and he was projecting that onto. So that's a classic. Yeah. So he was projecting that into how we would hang out with each other. So, so when I was there a couple of years ago, Somehow, you know, I managed to get hold of the cousins that I'd lost touch with. And then through them, I got in touch with her. And we literally had 10 minutes together because she was, she was busy. She had to go off and do stuff. And it was my last day. And it was just like, and when I, when I, when I actually saw her, I, you know, it was like, I, I, you know, first of all, I could say to her, I think she obviously knew because however she'd heard, she'd heard. I, like my cousins who I'd lost touch with knew, so that I was gay so I yeah I'm making it sound like but so you know I kind of said to her I said look I'm really sorry that I never got the chance to tell you I'm really sorry if you ever felt deceived by me she just looked at me don't be daft you know it's like not not required and we only had that 10 minutes and oh maybe 15 and it was great and then we've been you know whatsapping and texting and chatting ever since and and all the rest of it and you know she's got her husband and her life and all the rest of it but there was something about that moment where it felt complete like it was like because it had been hanging over my head to actually I, well, first of all I wanted to know that she was okay and how her life had turned out even though I'd heard on you know I wanted to know from her but it was also part of my fear was I didn't know what response I would get from her if I did reach out to her I often think you know well had I done it 15 years ago would I have got a completely different response because the timing wasn't right was it that the timing was right when it happened you know I, I don't you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fatalist, but I just think everything comes at the right time that it's supposed to. So a sense it was that sense of completion. I think that's the word I probably would say with the school thing. It was, I felt complete. It wasn't validated. It, I didn't need their validation. I felt it was their acceptance. That's what it is. It's not complete. It's their acceptance. It was like, you know, I, I, I felt like, yeah, all right, I, I, I can fit in here and I belong here, which is, of course, what was missing through my school years and those formative years is to come back to your original question is where do you feel accepted and where I rather answered that was where was I d didn't which was a bit easier so even that turned around in the end so even though my memory of school obviously is that I wasn't accepted it's actually by the people I went to school with I now feel accepted so go back to then you you touched on your mother and saying that it was awkward to start with the first few days because I get I would be it might be challenging to how did she react to you in that period then and then since then so i was about to, i was getting ready to go out with some friends and and my mum said oh i can't remember someone's got a got a, a girl that she'd like to set up with you what kind of girls do you like and i kind of was like i can't remember so i think i was maybe 
22, 23. So I'd been out for about a year or something, at least with friends and stuff. And I kind of went, I remember saying, I remember saying, oh, I don't really. And she was like, what do you mean? And I went, well, I'm not really interested in girls. And she said, well, what are you saying? She said, well, I'm gay, mum. And literally at that moment that I said that, the buzzer rang, that my, like, my friends were there to pick me up and go out. So I'm like, got to go now. Bye, mum. <laughs> And so she was kind of left there with that. And then she had to go to work the next day. And, you know, she was like, you know, it became a little bit about her. Oh, I've got to deal with this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, my mum's a bit like that. And then, you know, it's, it's a bit like with my mum, I kind of, I don't flaunt it in her face. Because what do I need to? She knows and that's all she needs to know. Do you know what I mean? Has she ever talked to you since then about what that was have you been with it? You know, how were you when you were a kid at school and that kind of stuff? Or she got a little. We talked a little bit of what school was like for me, and she was like very apologetic because she said I, di- I didn't know, I had no idea. But if you look back on it now, do you think you wish you had told her? I wish I had told her because I think anybody, if you're being bullied, should, should definitely, you know. And and if anybody's listening to that who knows someone that's being bullied or is being bullied, is speak to someone. Don't hold it into yourself because it does impact your whole life. So. That's the message I would say about that. So do I wish I could have? I wish I could have told her, yes, absolutely. And if she could have done something about it, of course. Um, and was it the shame that you, did, what you said before, I can't remember, about why you didn't tell her? That fear of, you know, well, what if I get rejected by my family and, and all the rest of it? You know, that, that, I still went through all of that, right? That, that, you know, what if I get rejected by my, you know, friends? Certainly post-school, obviously at school, that was a different situation. So... I'm not going to pretend like that wasn't thoughts that would go through my head. It was just I was lucky it didn't happen, right? But absolutely, the fear is there. And, um, you know, it's terrifying that, you know, so on, that on top of being bullied on top of everything else that's going on, it's, it's you know, it's kind of... It, there was, I was probably quite depressed for it. For, for, you, did, you did incredibly well. How did you get through that? I've never felt a need to have therapy for being bullied or that sort of, or for about around being gay. That was never, never was never an issue. I had for other reasons, but not for that. And I think, I don't know. I just, I guess you just get through with it, and you just, you just deal with it. I don't know. You kind of just stumble through life a bit, and you know, there wasn't a plan of saying, you know, I think there's just a point where you kind of go, well, I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't want to have to deal with, you know, I've got seventy years to live. I don't want to have to deal with this shit for another or another 70 years even if I live to 90, I don't want to have to deal with this all that time. It's too long to carry that weight around with them. Am I completely free of everything? No, I think as time just goes on, you, and I don't know whether that's just part of getting older anyways, you just care less about the shit. <laughs> and it's like, you just realise that it's just not important. And I think it's just as time has gone on, and maybe other things, bigger things that have happened in my life, even though you think that would be quite big, you know, I've had some other big things that have happened in my life that maybe just overshadow that, that and just by dealing with them that you just realise that you have this inner strength that, and it doesn't mean that I'm a superhero or that other people don't, but you've, I think we've all got the strength to get through everything and, and we've got an amazing human resilience, you know. Is there an impact? Probably, but I think other things have impacted me. Like, you know, it's kind of, we're all battle-scarred as we get along the way. So should I have had therapy? Possibly. But I think there were people to speak to about it and it kind of, you know, I kind of, life went on and I just didn't feel like it was, I didn't feel like it was holding me back enough anymore for for whatever reason to not be able to get on with life. Yeah. yeah. Which seems, sounds pretty good yeah. in terms of the way you explain that. Yeah. So yeah. And maybe I was lucky, but it wasn't conscious. It wasn't like I went, 
oh, I'm okay now. I don't need to, you know, I probably could go to a, have therapy now and uncover a whole bunch of stuff around it that's still sitting there. But it's so far over here that I can't see it that I don't feel like it's impacting my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not impacting my ability to have friends, have relationships with my family. You know, I mean, probably just a bit like anything. You know, I'm, I'm probably as self-conscious as the next person and probably got insecurities as much as the next person. And, you know, it's not like I'm... I don't. I'm not pretending that I don't. And they're probably carried over from, you know, that sort of stuff. But it's okay enough not to let it... My life hasn't ended as a consequence of it. No. You know, or no. is not debilitating as a consequence yeah. of it. Yeah. Where you didn't feel accepted. Yeah, probably just within the Jewish community when first coming out. And that was probably me, not anybody else, in that I t- it turned its back on me because I went to a Jewish day school. So in my world, it turned its back on me. So therefore, I would now turn my back on. I, I think just being at school, because it's, yeah, so it was almost the, the way I was treated at school and the behaviour yeah. at school, I extrapolated that to you know, the whole community and homosexuality is a sin. And, you know, and, and, and so no, no synagogue is going to say, well, you're okay. In my, I didn't actually go to check that out to see if it was true or not. I just made that up. Right. I made that up. There, there was no, there was no actual rejection. I thought, yeah. I was wondering whether there was an overt or someone actually no. said no or. No. I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, going to a Jewish day school religion was rammed down my throat. So I, that didn't help either. And then you had, the confounding factor of saying, and yet, and and so, and yet, I strongly still have always identified as Jewish. You know, my tag phrase is, you know, I'm left-handed, blind, Jewish, and gay. It's it's in there, and I put it. You've I, kept, I say you've, so you've kept that, yeah. I've kept that, and I put that in there before the gay. Like to me, it's, and, and it is part of who I am, and I don't deny that as part of who I am. I'm not ashamed of it. I never was, and probably my anger towards the community was more directed at what happened at school. In hindsight, and I've just gone, well, that's. That, that, that I've collapsed the two as opposed to, as I said, you know, I mean, and, and I didn't know what, what else was out there, you know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not religious, but I'm orthodox by tradition, so I'm not going to go to a liberal environment because to me that's just, it, to me, even now it's still weird, you know. I mean, yeah, it, and that's, and I, the way I explain that, it's not weird, that's not fair because if someone's, it's more like, my explanation of that is it's, it's like putting on a pair of, a, a shirt that is, just the wrong fit. That's yeah, how I explain yeah. it to me, as opposed to, and it's just what I'm used to. I was going to say, it's what you know. It's what I know. So yeah. it's different to what you know, and and lots of reasons that's going to be something that doesn't. Yeah, I, I you get it's, it. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, but that said, you know, when I was in New York a couple of years back, as I said, I went down to check it out. The you know the gay shul down there, or temple as they called it, and you know it was interesting. It, it was it was not. I, I was very welcomed, and everybody was lovely, and. And all the rest of it, but it was, it was the wrong fit for me in terms of what I would have been looking for. Um, but I went to try and make friendships, not to make, not for the religious experience, because you do have that, you know. I mean, and that's one thing I do love about being Jewish is, you know, I could be anywhere in the world on a Friday night and walk into a synagogue, and someone will take you home for dinner, which allows you to have a connection and talk to another human being, you know, if that's what you want. So I don't, yeah, it's more. I don't not feel that way now about the Jewish community. It was more my just anger at everything that had mm. happened. Um, I think that, that's a fairer statement around it. Then, yeah, it wasn't like they had rejected me. It was more I had rejected them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so going back to the to what was it like to be a gay man in Sydney then at that time? In the early 90s? Early 90s. Yeah. So we were just, it was just, you know, I remember when I, f- so I was just post 
the hype of the AIDS sort of epidemic. So we knew having safe sex and all that sort of stuff, but didn't really have friends who, that like the people that died from it were just that little bit older than us. So, you know, we were like early 20s, they were maybe late 20s, early 30s, which at that age is a bigger difference and that sort of stuff. I, at that point in time, you know, one of the ushers from the theatre was, was HIV positive and ended up passing away from, you know, AIDS-related illnesses. You know, at that point in time, in the, 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 for me, the community was was incredibly accepting. It wasn't underground anymore, so everybody was kind of out. And it was just a lot of fun. It was just like, you know, I mean, I had my, my group of friends and we just we just hung out and we just did what we did. And, and was Sydney a place where accepting and, and there were places that you could go to, gay man could go to? Like, yeah, absolutely. And, and like within any community, you're going to have cliques and friends and, yeah. you know, and different you know i mean the, the the community itself you know yes everything is based around looks and status which is not healthy as well you know it's got its own issues within its within it within the community i think even within that and you know and and it's it's not as accepting of everybody as you'd like to think it is but you find your niche within there but you but you what well, the point is you've asked this you haven't quite you haven't gone god i wish i wasn't gay fleetingly maybe when i was younger but more because it just you not because i regret i i I have any issues with being gay more because you just think well my life probably would have been more straightforward is probably a better word than easier maybe straightforward at the time maybe that's a better word to use it was certainly would have been from what you've described as happening that's for sure full on so to have to go through all of that stuff that went with that so perhaps a little bit more straightforward i can't change it it is what it is and there's no point trying to change it because it's not going to make any difference. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think that's the thing. It's like you just have that. I think maybe because you know I knew from such a young age, it's just that acceptance of all that is what it is. I've, I've not known it to be any different. The yeah. battle, you know, the demons that I had to battle with seem so long ago now. Why are you here in Melbourne? In Melbourne, so my, my normal answer to people is because I got a job down here. But in actual fact, what happened was so at the end of at the end of 1999 so it was October 1999 and we'd been, we were already broken up at the time my so one of my best friends at the time was chronically depressed um, and he tried every every medication under the sun and he'd had electric convulsive therapy and, and nothing nothing was really working for him and he did the same job as I did so we kind of met at university sorry October 1999 my ex-boyfriend, and we'd been split up for a while, but he committed suicide. My best friend, Joe, was overseas at the time, and I remember I called him and told him what had happened. And Joe came home, and about it was about two weeks later when he got home, and it was a Friday morning at work, and I'd just started a new job. And I'd just come out of a really, like a really, like a job where my boss was just a nightmare um, previously to this new role. And I'd come home, uh, and, I, and it was Friday morning at work. We used to speak to each other every day. So, like, you know, we would talk for hours every day to each other. And there was really no secrets between either of us, except for one, which is kind of funny story. But anyway, and then, because he always used to think, he always used to think he had more money than me. And one day I told him I got a bigger pay rise than him just to shut him up, <laughs> um, which is well, have an interesting fact in a moment. So anyway, he rang me and said, you know what I'm going to do tonight? And I'm like, no, anyway, no, never mind. And I was like, okay, didn't think anything about it. But it was Friday night, it was about seven o'clock. No, it was a bit earlier, it would have been about 5.30 and I got a call from his sister asking me if I'd spoken to him in the day and I was like, yeah, I spoke to him in the morning and she said, 
Well, she just got a call from his psychiatrist and she was worried, he was worried what he was going to do. So I said, okay, I'll go over to his place. He lived a couple of, well, maybe 20 minutes drive away. So I went over and he was there and he had a bag over his shoulder. And I said, what are, you, what are you doing? And he said, I'm going out. And I went, okay. And I kind of thought that he might be going to a sex on premises venue and he was just going to blow off some steam and be done with it. So I said, don't do anything stupid. And he went, I won't. I went, okay. And I went home and magically at must have been about 6.30 or 7 o'clock by then, I got a parking spot, which never happens normally. Like at that time you're driving around and around and around for hours until you get one. Inside, I was inside the house and I was getting ready to go out and the phone rang and it was Joe. And he was breathing really heavily and he said, you just got to stay with me. And I said, what, what's going on? And he gave me the list of all the stuff that he was taking and he was essentially killing himself. You know, we were on the phone and I was trying to tell him, ask him where he was and he wouldn't tell me where he was. You know, and that was the first, so the, that was the first 40 minutes was like, just tell me where you are, I'll come and get you, don't be stupid. And he was like, and then I kind of gave up asking where he was and we just had a conversation and, you know, and he apologised for what he was doing and he said, you know, he, he, he said to me, I remember he said to me, you'll be fucked up for this for years. I'm like, that's too late, I'm already fucked up, you know. No, not a problem there. We told each other, you know, we loved each other and, you know, and, and everything else and just had this amazing conversation. It was surreal. It was actually a very surreal moment. There was a moment it, where it was almost like a, a, it was an out-of-body experience where you were looking down on it and you're going, this isn't real, this isn't happening to me, this only happens in movies. And that's actually um, a, a very important moment because in terms of things uh, you know so we talked to me you know we said we loved each other and I said you know I'll remember you every day for the rest of my life and, you know and then eventually it just went quiet on the on the other end of the phone and I, I must have fallen asleep you know woke up the next morning I had to kind of call his family and tell them to be ready I didn't know where he was still he never told me and we kind of went through the um we kind of went went over to some friends places and sort of they, you know, we kind of tried to work out where he was and then we kind of worked out from, he'd done a meeting at a, at a hotel in the city, the Park, the park Royal, so we rang it up, we said, I was, I was like, oh, sorry, it was, um, I think I'm in the park, Sheraton on the Park, I think it's still there. And we rang them, we said, and they went, yeah, and um, we said, this is what's happened. And they're like, are you going to take responsibility if something's happened? I was like, yeah, I was on the phone to him last night. I, I'll take complete responsibility if, if, if this isn't wrong, but I can guarantee you. We went over, you know, saw the body. They were obviously in by then, interviewed by the police. What I didn't know. So we both did the same kind of work. So the next day, sort of, so I was interviewed. I sort of had to be, give a statement to the police and all the rest of it. Then went over to see his family and they were this like Italian Catholic family and didn't speak very good English and they were like, you know, howling when I walked in the door and it was just like, I had to get out of there because, you know, they're like, you're my son now and I'm like, no, I'm not your son, I'm someone else's son. Anyway, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty full on and intense, the whole experience. You know, the next day I went into his work because they, I knew them all because we did the same thing. We just worked for different companies. And what I realised over time was that nobody, um, nobody else knew that he had been depressed all this time. I was the only person that actually knew. So I, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of trying to get everybody else through this. I was actually seeing a psychiatrist at the time for another reason, which for a plane crash, because I was in a plane accident, which um, well, I might do another time. But um, um, and so fortunately, like you know, I got an emergency appointment with him. The key thing was, you remember when I said that it was a surreal experience, and it was like that out of body. Yes. The only other time I've ever had that was when I was on the plane, where you go. So and the plane was sort of crashing well it wasn't crashing it was kind of coming in for its landing so 
I kind of twigged. I'm like, God, I've been traumatized again, basically. But thankfully, you know, I had this great guy that I was seeing that was able to help me deal with it a lot faster than it was. But it got the reason to get to why I got to Melbourne was eventually it got to a point where, you know, I, I kind of went, I did still go into post-traumatic stress disorder. I was still quite, you know, depressed after it had all happened. And everywhere I was looking around, it, there was like memories of him and it, you were getting past that. Not everywhere, every day. That's, I don't want to exaggerate the point, but it was just, it was, it just felt like I need to get out for a while and have a break. So I ended up getting a job for a job off of down here for three months. I thought, that's fine, three months and it'd be a nice break. And 20 years later, I'm, I'm still here. And I, I just never went back. And, you know, I mean, um, that was what led me down here. That was what was meant to happen to bring me down here. And, you know, that was, again, that's a, kind of a bridge version of what happened. Uh, but that was the most, um, I, I, you know, I don't know anybody else who's been through that kind of an experience before. It's quite very isolating in that sort of sense. But then you kind of go, well, trauma's trauma and it doesn't really matter how you got to the trauma. And so you relate to other people through their trauma and their experience of trauma. But And, and everybody's got their own trauma. But that that to me was also a, a shifting moment in my, spirit, my, 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 my spirituality of myself as well and, you know, my understanding of myself and why I do what I do. Uh, you know, so a lot of, as awful as it was at the time, and, you know, and it's tragic and it's sad and dramatic or whatever you want to use was it to me that was one of my defining moments in life where I changed as a consequence of all of that sort of stuff that happened and yeah and there was just a shift in my psyche of what was important and what's not important and what matters and what doesn't matter and um and yeah how you treat people and and all that sort of stuff and that life is short and life is goes at a heartbeat you know you one phone call that's all it takes yeah so you know that's the that's the short long story version of why I actually ended up in Melbourne. It's it's a heavy story. It's 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 not. There's not a lot that people can say to it or or anything like this. But it's you know, again to your point, if, you know, if I could go back and not have picked up the phone, would I have not picked up the phone? Absolutely not, because I got to say goodbye. Mm. And that was it was bittersweet because a lot of people struggled because they couldn't. And that's the sucky part of suicide. It's not those that go. It's those that are left behind and have to deal with it and pick up the pieces and you know it shatters it shatters lives before um what i've seen is more than you can imagine of people whose lives were actually shattered as a consequence of of um that because and also working in the pharmaceutical industry it's quite small so even like when i started my new job you know a year ago and i was telling my boss just because we're the same age and i was like do you remember and she, and she was like oh my god i started like she didn't know him that she knew of the incident and what had happened and and all the rest of it. So, yeah, suicide sucks. There's always a solution. But he saw, I also understand he had, he just couldn't find a way out of it. And he, that's what had to happen for my journey to go on the kind of way I look at it and anybody else's journey. It's also an amazing story, I guess. It's an incredible story. But yeah. I don't tell many people. No, but wow, that, I can't, I'm trying to, as you're talking, imagine how it would have been to have been on the end of the phone talking to him but I can't imagine what that would be the, the, f the first 40 minutes were frantic because you're like where are you don't do this don't do this don't do this and and frightening because you didn't want I didn't want him to die you know looking back on it that the way he was talking that was going to happen that had happened was not a surprise but I didn't know he was going to do it that day 
Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, I can see what happened to Lee. Like he saw that somebody else had done it successfully. Because his big fear was always that what if he... His big fear was always... Because we talked about it, of course. Like was, what if I do it and it doesn't work? And I think... Think, and I can only assert this because I, I don't know for a fact. We never talked about that. But I, I think the fact that he'd heard that my ex had done it successfully helped precipitate to say I can do this and I can make it work for him in that you know even though they did it in completely different ways I do wonder whether I you know I I don't ha I don't have any guilt in having obviously I was going to tell him because it happened do you know what I mean with if I'd known that that was maybe going to be the catalyst to him doing it but you, you can't go down that path no. you can't go down the path someone explained it really well with, and it's pretty obvious anyway I, I did have someone say to me <laughs> you know anyone to slap him it's like it did cross my mind he didn't do everything to save him and it would be like oh, you know, go to hell basically yeah I never spoke to that person again that was just completely inappropriate I, I would absolutely do it again because the, the second 40 minutes was the I will never have a conversation like that with anybody again I don't know who I'd pick if it was me and who I'd want to who I'd want by my side you know in that situation so that's quite an honor in itself you know i mean it wasn't a pleasant thing to do to someone and but he knew i was strong and that's what i meant i think you know i talk about the things that i've been through in my life like i think you know even though i've not you know the bullying and then the plane crash and then that you know i know how fucking strong i am in my mind to get through stuff and deal with stuff and that doesn't mean stuff doesn't still affect me and all the rest of it yeah, you know, it's, and, and I'm not different. To, I'm not different to anybody other human being. I'm, you know, inherently, you know, I fell out of a vagina and they put a name tag on me and off you go. It's like there's nothing special about me. It's just I've had to deal with these things and you just deal with them as best you can and they have their impact and things carry on. But you just get on with it. Not you deal with it. Like you don't deny it. You, you deal with it and you face it and you confront it and you it changes you forever. You're never the same person again because of it, but you're not going to let it. You've got to make the decision that, and it takes you don't. It, it takes ages to get to that point. We say I'm not going to let this ruin me. Um, you know, I'm not going to let it cause me to sit in a corner shaking backwards and forwards. As I said, I don't tell people the story often. Do I have trust issues with people? Probably it takes a while to warm up and trust them with, because of what happened. Because that was a huge abuse of my trust in realizing that. So, you know, that's something I'm very. You know, it was a massive abuse of my trust to do that to me, even though I could handle it, sort of. I handled it. It was a, it was a massive abuse of my trust. He just wanted, you know, I mean, he just wanted someone to be with him when he died. Yes. He didn't want to die. Like, yes. That was all it was. And yes. you just rationalise it that way. Well, that's kind of that's what I was trying to say, which is you can't, it's impossible to try and, because can't, I can't imagine what was going, because I can't, so no. I'm not going to attempt to do that. But... If I had to pick something, then I'd pick exactly what you just said. Yeah, which he, is, yeah. he just want, he just didn't want to die alone. That was all it was. And also, is what you said as well. The fact that he, as much as, as you what you said, which I totally get, is that he picked you, which yeah. is an honour, which is a real. As much as you're left with that, it's yes. incredible that he picked you. Yeah, I, I don't know who I want. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've never thought about who'd want yeah. it. You know, it's funny because you kind of talk about the bullying and the. You know, and even after the plane crash, there was a while where you're going to go, I don't want to have to live with this for the rest of my life, you know, and it's kind of... And you do think about escaping, you know, because you think, you know, not necessarily the therapy, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about it. But I think you... With with this one, because of what I saw, you know, with what happened, 
no matter how bad life gets for me now, from that moment on, I am, and it hasn't, but even if it did, you know, no matter what happened, suicide is just not an option because I could not inflict on people what, and he, if he, I think if he knew what he inflicted, he would never, well, I don't want, I, don't, I can't say that, but. You, be, you believe. I like to believe that yeah. if he knew what the impact was going to be on people and he could find a way, he would have, you know, you have to kind of balance that in as well. I, and I get some people just can't see, that's, they just can't see the light or, or whatever, but it does get better. It does mm. get better. Whether it's coming out, it does get better. Whether it's dealing with trauma, it does. You know, at the time, you want to slap everybody in the head that says it, um, but time is the greatest healer. And it's corny and it's trite and you, excuse me, you know, and it's funeral people coming up to me saying it every five seconds and I was like, fucking punch you. I'm in the head if one more step doesn't, I don't care about time right now, I just want him alive. It is, it, it, it's a great healer in that sort of sense. And I think, uh, you know, there, there's, always a, there's always a way, a good friend once said to me, he said, you know, if, if life gets really, really bad, you can go and weave baskets into bed. There's someone always, and it's, it's trying to say there's someone always worse off with you than you because it's at the time when you're going through that, it, it makes no difference. It's not about anybody else. It's about what's going on for you or that person. Uh, and it sucks and it's awful and it's, it, it too shall pass. And if you can just keep, keep remembering that and keep that in the back of your mind that it will pass and that you will have periods of, steadiness again and you will have happiness again and you will have sadness again and you know I don't think I'll ever go anything as through anything I don't think even losing my parents will be as sad as what that was because it was just so in my face and also my parents are elderly so I kind of expect them to go you know at some point I don't want it but it will happen um so it's a different kind of thing but yeah I, I don't think I could ever I don't think that I could ever have an experience that could be as sorrowful as that and, and as, um, like, I can't remember, there were, there were days where it physically hurt. It was that painful. Yeah. In, in that first, in that first week, when the trauma is the most intense. That is as real as it can be. And yeah. I can't imagine anything more real than that. I, I kind of go to, wow, you're an amazing person. Thank you. You've got so much strength. Where does that strength come from? So just... It just, it to, just to go what you've been through to be to, to what you just told me is like wow. I don't know if I have to. I mean, but you just find the strength. It's, it's it's not a matter of you just have to find it. It's it's just there. It's 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 there in all of us. I think you've just got to believe. It's well, it's not like I consciously go like I, you know, it's not like I believe in my strength. It's like it's just you wake up the next day and you just one day at a time and there's no conscious decision of it I think the conscious decision of was you know perhaps because it was the second time I'd been traumatised like that um, I was like I'm not going to go through this again you know it's kind of um, you know I've come this far I'm not going back to where I was sort of you know because it was 10 years between traumas so thankfully you know the following 10 years I didn't have another trauma but yeah and look and there's certain things where you know I wish for me you know and sort of I had again I've got a friend who passed away unfortunately but he used to say you know in Titanic and you know how like at the very end when you see Rose has all those pictures of all those amazing things that she did because I often wish and it frustrates me that I can't be like that because of what I've been through because I'm just not that person right like 
I'm not that, oh my God, life is precious and every second counts. That's, I don't want to pretend that's me. It's like, I've got through this and I appreciate life, but interesting things in my time, but I'm, I often wish, and he used to say, I wish you could, not, not maybe to that extreme, but you know, that you should, you know, you shouldn't care as much because it's because you'll survive whatever you've been through. You already have, you'll be all right. And maybe as I've got older, I'm more like that. I wish I could have done that maybe because I was 30 when Joe passed away. So maybe, you know, five years later, I wish I could have been more like that, but it is what it is. You know, so we all respond to it differently. Yeah. And do you, so have you got friends, mutual friends that you, do you, do you talk about that? Talk about him now to, to that? Or? That group of friends that we have, have all disbanded. Was it because of his death? Maybe he was the glue that kept us together in, mm. in a certain way, and it was yeah. Maybe it was his death. I caught up with one, maybe one one guy from about twelve years ago. He was down in Melbourne, and we had a and it was lovely, and it was great, um, and we had lots of other things in common. But I think yeah, we just all kind of went separate ways, and I don't feel a need to sit and talk to people and reminisce about him. I don't feel a need to. There isn't that. His death was so real to me that I don't feel a need to. And, and also it was. 20 years ago now, it, um, it, it's kind of, he's, he's been dead longer than we were friends, you know, we were friends for 12 years, but he's, you know, and I remember that at the 12 year anniversary going, well, no, you've been dead longer than we were friends, you know, it's kind of, would we still be friends now? If I, I, That's what I often think is, would we, would we still be friends now if he was still alive or would we have gone separate ways at some point? Who knows what, 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 what would have happened had, uh, had he still been alive, would I be in Melbourne? Would would you would I have found my you know the things that I was looking for and some of the answers that I found and some of the you know ways of dealing with it? Would I be who I, I wouldn't be who I am today if it didn't happen? So I don't regret it happening. Would I have preferred it didn't? Of course, but I don't regret it happening. It's a very interesting way to look at life because whilst I don't have that experience, I have a yeah. version of trauma. I've had trauma, and. I always look for a positive in something negative and the experiences I've gained as a result of those things that have happened to me meant that I, I don't have regret for, I wish it didn't happen. I take the positive out of something yeah. and, and go, look, all these things that have happened to me as a result of, of that. And I'm grateful for, for those things. And, and that's all there is to it. It's, yeah. It makes you who you are and, yes. it, and it makes you real. I mean, not, not that, you know, and it exposes you exposes you to your very raw self and you have to do a lot of soul searching um you know and and at the end of the day it's that's not you know that's not the worst thing in the world it's kind of that soul searching and finding out who you are and what you're capable of and you know and and you know you know i'm sure if i got traumatized tomorrow as i said god forbid and i hope it doesn't happen but I'll deal with it that much faster. Will I still go through the motions? Absolutely, because you can't avoid that. It's very physiological, but you can process it faster and go, oh, you know, because I remember, you know, at points going, oh, that's right, this happens now when, you know, when you sort of like, when you start, you know, losing concentration or losing focus or, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, I forgot that happened, you know, because it was 10 years between, and you go, oh, but, but you catch it that much faster. You go, oh, that's all that's going on. It's just the, it's just the, it's just the, the after effects. It's certainly not as blasé as I've just said it then. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of... No, I totally get what you're... I, I don't mean to say, oh, look, look, this is happening now. That's right. But you kind of go, oh, yeah, this is, that's right. I, you know, as the dust settles and time goes on and you're going through what you're going through and you go, oh, yeah, that's right, that happened. And what did I do to fix it last time? 
you know, and how did I get through it last time and how do I get through it shorter this time? And it's yeah. just, ca- yeah, just catching it. And it, I can't change it, so there's no point. No. It, it, uh, there's no point going down that pathway. I can't, it does not change a thing. It's just accepting it, dealing with it in whatever way you have to and however long that takes. And it's easy now, 20, nearly 21 years later, I don't want to make it sound like it was simple. It wasn't. It takes work uh, and constant work. It wasn't just, it, it's just easy now going back to sort of go, if you'd, have, if you'd have spoken to me 20 odd years ago, a week after it happened, I'd be in a different, completely different conversation. Yeah, but then it's credit to you because whatever you're journey is and whatever you've been through you've been prepared to do the work that has taken you to where you are now and not everybody can do that and whatever that looks like for you that's testament to who you are so you know I take my hat off to you because I think that's amazing thank you um yeah you know as I said to me it's just it's just what I did I wasn't a conscious no, you know, I, you know, the only conscious was what I was the second trauma t- was going I don't want to go back to where I was but other than that it's just I, I just stumbled through it it wasn't a conscious decision of and I don't want to pretend like I had a plan a master plan no I'm not I don't I didn't, I didn't get that from you at all no but what I get from you is the reflection yeah. of what it meant what happened how you dealt with it you processed it and you've moved on and how your life has changed as a consequence of that and what you've taken from it and how you've used that Absolutely. in a positive way. And that, I think, is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you. I really appreciate you sharing that because that's, I could see, obviously, clearly from here, you're very upset. So I'm grateful for you, you did that. No worries. It's, it's, sometimes it's nice. To, sometimes it's actually nice talking about it. Not nice, nice isn't the right word, but it's, I, I don't live it again, if that makes sense. It's, yes. it's I just describe what happened but I'm not living through it again when I talk about it. And so it's okay, but it, it, yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's quite exhausting talking about it. Yeah. There's, there's obviously lots of bits in the middle and all sorts of things that happened and you, know, you forget and you kind of, oh, yeah, that's right, that happened. And, and sometimes as well, it remind, you know, kind of talking about it as well reminds me of, because you know, I, don't, you know, I don't live my life every day of like, you know, oh, I can't wait to get out of bed and oh my God, life is precious and short. You know, I'm human. It's like we just don't live that way. But it reminds me to do it for for a little while longer again, and you know, I, I my my thing is that you know, death reminds us to live, and I think, you know, while I said I don't have the rose experience, I still live, and remember to live and do things when um, when when that sort of stuff happens. Just got to get on with it. Love to do it no, again. It was great. It was yeah. good fun doing it. Well, absolutely, we can do it again. Thank you for listening to More Real. I truly hope you've enjoyed the experience, and that you will continue to be here to explore real life with me. If you have, please tell anyone you know about More Real. If you've enjoyed listening and learned something, then I would be so grateful if you could leave a five-star review, as this will help other people to find this podcast. I'm very grateful, as always, for your support.